Uh, our passage before us is, is, is uh, one of the themes, one of the passages that's well known. When we think of the Lord as our shepherd, we think of the 23rd Psalm, but we come in John chapter 10 to the good shepherd. Now, one of the statements of our Lord where he identifies himself as the good shepherd. And, and, and this is one way the Lord masterfully, artistically, beautifully shows himself to us. Um, the, if, we, if we look at here, John chapter 10, this, this will, will have about three portions in, immediately that will talk about the good shepherd. And then there'll be a later time in his ministry where later on in the year he'll come back and continue that theme. So, so we see John helping us to see Jesus as the good shepherd. The text before us today is chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. I encourage you to follow along as I read. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. This is a familiar and, and, and beloved text because it speaks of our Lord as a shepherd. And again, uh, we first think of that in the 23rd Psalm, one of the most popular and well-known passages in Scripture. But here again, our Lord picks up that theme in describing himself. But this is not a passage in isolation. You know, you read the 23rd Psalm, and you can take that psalm as kind of a standalone statement. But, but this passage is right in the middle of the Gospel of John. And in fact, it's right, chapter 10, verse 1, comes right after chapter 9, verse 41. What I mean by that is that there is a context. And in fact, it, it, every evidence points to the fact that John chapter 10 continues what we were seeing in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, we saw the healing of the man born blind. And I'm, like I said, it frustrates me. I don't know his name, so I can't call him by whatever his name is. Um, uh, sometimes I think I'll call him the blind man. It's a little cumbersome to speak with a man born blind. It's even more difficult to speak of the man born blind who's now healed. Um, so I, I, I might just call him, you know, the blind man. And, and you'll bear with me. You'll know who I'm talking about. But the passage flows right, right in. We, we forget that. In our Bible, you have what I have. I've, I've got right here at the beginning a big number 10. And some of you will even have a section header there, and that's okay. And then number 1, number 2, number 3. Remember when the Bible was written? There were no chapter divisions. There were no verse divisions. And I made a point last night of, of looking at uh, you know, some early Greek manuscripts. And it was all written in, you know, it was written in columns, but it was written in, in all capital Greek letters. No spaces, no punctuation, just flowing. And so to put it in English, the word remains would be right next to the word most. I mean, it's so, so in the text, it just flows right into 
And, it, and, and that's the point. This is a continuation of the text. And that is in, underscored by that word the way it begins in verse, chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, uh, verily, verily, some of your texts may read. The Greek here is amen, amen. So truly, truly. Uh, when Jesus doesn't begin a teaching that way, when everywhere else that phrase is used, it's, it's a continuation. He's been saying something and now he says, now I really want to underscore that. So everything points to this is just a continuation, and that's important to see. This, this passage is in the context of what's happened with the man born blind. Now, it, it, this passage describes the Lord as, a, as the good shepherd. Now, verse 6 tells us this, this, these first six verses are an illustration, is what my, lang- my translation says, um, several translations have here the figure of speech. Uh, King James and other, one or two others call it a parable. Uh, it, it, it's kind of an unusual word, not a common word. It, parable, kind of, but in other words, what he's saying is this is an illustrative story. It's an illustration. You might consider it an allegory, like uh, Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. It's a picture that describes truth now with that being a if you will let's call it a parable um this reminds me of a a common statement well expressed by bishop ryle i'd like to quote him sometimes in the gospels jc ryle says this to this parable if any the old quaint sayings are applicable no parable stands on four legs is one statement. And another one is, squeeze parables too far and you will draw blood from them and not milk. What he's saying is, you know, it's an illustration. And so you can't try to make every detail uh, have meaning. Like, um, what's, what's the color of the wool of the sheep or whatever it might be? You know, the, we, we might go into all kinds of details. More, it's, 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 the, it's, it's a picture and we get the main idea from it. Don't try and force all the details. But in this, our Lord speaks of himself and calls himself the good shepherd of God's people. And he will contrast himself to the false leaders, false teachers, bad shepherds of God's people. And that's where it's going to connect with the previous context. What have we just seen? The religious leaders, the Pharisees in particular, and how they dealt with this man born blind. They harassed and harangued him. They were attacking him and trying everything they could to dissuade him from following Jesus. Remember the intimidation they even put on his parents. Is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. How does he see? We don't know. Why did they say that? Because the threat was already there. If If you're a follower of Jesus you will be expelled from the synagogue. Again, that's not exactly a fair trial. They've already got a preconceived conclusion. I've mentioned before the the country uh, judge that said, now, young man, we're going to have a fair trial, and then we're going to hang you. (laughs) In other words, we know where this is going, but we're going to go through the motions. And so they uh, took this man who was born blind, healed, and, and came to recognize God was in it. And they kicked him out. And in kicking him out from the synagogue, 
they kicked him out from the fellowship, from, from the ministry of the teaching there, from the fellowship there. And in doing that, they would cause a break with his family, a break from business associates. Whatever it might be, he was now going to be a cast off in the nation of Israel. That's what the false shepherds do. And so that's why Jesus will now come and say, I'm the good shepherd. And he makes a contrast. We think of the 23rd Psalm, speaking of shepherds. But really, if you were to work through, there are several passages in the Old Testament that speak of God as a shepherd. It was such a common picture in the ancient world that, it, that, that conveyed so much. Yes, David, who himself was a shepherd, he, he watched his care for the sheep and he thought, well, this is like how God cares for me. And he, and he wrote that beautiful song for us, Psalm 23. But, one of the, but, but part of the things to understand is the Jewish, the Jewish leaders who are still there, remember, they, when he finished talking to the blind men, they said, are you saying we're blind? And Jesus directly addressed them. As they're still listening, they should have understood the context of what Jesus was saying because there's so many passages that are so clear. Now, I'm not going to read every verse, but in, in, in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 to 16, and, and really more, but I'll read parts of that. Listen to this passage that would have been known to all those present. Ezekiel 34. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there were no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Skipping down to verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Starting up at verse 9. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I, God says, seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Skipping to verse 14. I will feed them in good pasture, and their folds shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in good fold. And feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock. I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken. Strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. So here we see the Lord rebuking the leaders of Israel by calling them bad shepherds. Uh, They're more worried on feeding themselves than feeding the sheep, and that's the job, shepherd's job, is feed the sheep. And so he says, because you have abused the sheep and not cared for them, I'm going to take care of you, 
and I will take care of the sheep. God says, I will be their shepherd. And so that, those words would be well known to, to the Pharisees that are standing around and listening to the teaching of Jesus. And yet verse 6 says, oh, they didn't understand what he was saying. Well, let's, let's look at our passage. In verses uh, 1 and 2, we see the shepherd entering through the door. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, he uses language that not only that fits the Old Testament, but these were images that, that everybody knew. Um, in, in Israel in that day. Everybody knew about shepherds. Think about it. They go, they, they go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. The kings were called shepherds. But, but it was a part of the life uh, of Israel, shepherding. It, it fits the land. Uh, and, and the raising of sheep um, was, was especially geared towards uh, raising their wool. And so you raise the sheep and you care for them because a good, healthy sheep produce a good wool. And then you can sell that and, and, or make that fat, uh, fabric out of that. So they cared for their sheep and, and watched over them. Sheep uh, often usually stayed in the village. Well, some shepherds would go out and, uh, and go out into the, for weeks at a time away from home seeking pasturage, especially the, you know, where, when things were kind of dry and difficult. But... but Every village had sheep. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes you might have just a couple of sheep. And so they would, they, would, they would live downstairs in your house. And that was really good in the winter because they give off warmth. I suppose after a while you get used to the smell. But, but they gave off warmth. And then come a, after when the dark is out, you'd, you know, you'd take them out in the field. A lot of homes would have a little eh, kind of a patio, whatever, a fenced enclosure right next to their house where they would stay. And, and, what that's, and then there were also enclosures that were bigger. And so, for example, the very shepherds in the village would have a kind of a communal uh, uh, fold. And this, this would be like an, an enclosure of high rocks. Uh, in modern Middle East, uh, those, that enclosure of, of high rocks and we, uh, would uh, sometimes, we'll often have uh, thorns, uh, put into the cement on top of them or broken glass bottles to discourage climbing them. But that, so in other words, this, continue, this has been a process for thousands of years. And, and when Jesus starts speaking of the shepherd, it's very familiar language and very familiar pictures. So the shepherds would go out in the daytime, come back and put their animals in the fold. In the morning, the shepherd would come for his sheep. And so we see in verse 1, Jesus said, Most assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the, the same as a thief and a robber. And so he begins, if you will, from a negative perspective. The bad, the, the non-shepherds, the thieves, the robbers. Uh, those, those words are a little bit different. The thief um, has the idea of someone who's kind of sneaky. You would call a thief someone who is a shoplifter. Uh, a thief might be a, a, a burglar who kind of 
breaks in and steals something and goes away, but he's not violent. The robber, uh, that's a term used for, it, it, could be a, it could be a terrorist, but it's a violent criminal. This is the guy that uh, will, will beat you up and take what you have. So these false teachers, they may be either subtle or they may be violent, but they are destructive. They, they're thieves. And, and what the first clue that someone is not, not a good shepherd, not a true shepherd, is they don't come through the door. They're climbing the fence. That's your, so if you see someone climbing over the wall of the sheepfold, that's your first clue. He's a bad person. I remember hearing the story of a, a guy on guard duty in, in Vietnam. And it was late at night. And he saw a few people climb up in, in, in dark clothing and hop over the security fence. Well, he knew exactly what was going on. They were not there to throw a party. <laughs> they were the enemy trying to invade. And so and it was, he, he could spot them because they didn't come through the gate. And he uh, took appropriate measures. Jesus is telling us you can spot a thief at the sheepfold because he doesn't come through the proper entrance. He hops the fence. Now, Jesus doesn't name names. But who's he talking about? He's talking about the religious leaders of his day. And again, he's using the language of Ezekiel, talking about bad shepherds, shepherds who harm the flock, who, who are merciless toward the flock. And that's how the Pharisees were towards this sheep, the man born blind. They were harsh with him. They were uncaring. They were not compassionate. They were not caring. They were not nurturing. They were, they were on a mission to destroy him and his faith. They weren't true shepherds. But they're more like wolves attacking the flock. In verse 2, our Lord continues, but he who... So the thieves and the, and the robbers jump the fence. Verse 2, but, but he who enters by the door is, a, is, is the shepherd of the sheep. So now he's talking about himself. He's not a thief or a robber, but in a sense, that's how the Pharisees would describe him. And in fact, he is such an evil man that they're going to have him executed. But he's saying, I'm not a sheep of the robber, you can tell because I don't sneak in and come from the back side. I don't cheat. I come through the door. So he's the legitimate shepherd of Israel. He comes legally. He comes with authority. And he comes in accordance with God's word. Now, what does that mean to actually come through the door? You know, I don't sure. If that's, is this one of those things where we're going to try and make the details accurate? Is he coming through the door of biblical prophecies and coming in, in, in view of John's teaching. The point is, he is coming legitimately. And again and again, he will point to the scriptures that point to himself. He's coming legitimately as a shepherd of God's people. He doesn't make up Torah like the Pharisees did. You know, he comes submissive to God's word, obedient to God's word, preaching God's word, holding to God's word. And he can even say, they're standing in the temple courts, say, if anyone can point to sin in my life, let him do it. And there's silence. So no, as he comes through the door, he comes with integrity, he comes with honesty, he comes legitimately. 
to him, to the one who comes through the door, to the shepherd who comes legitimately. The doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now I'm not sure if he's meaning here there's a door that he opens. Uh, we'll talk about the fact that sometimes the door is the, the doorkeeper. Uh, and we, we, we saw on Wednesday night, I showed you a video of uh, sheep uh, in Israel. And you saw how often the sheep person, not the shepherd, I guess, but you'd see someone, you know, he would actually just kind of lay down right there in this narrow doorway. If the sheep are going to get out, they're going to go over him. Because I suppose if he curled up in the back corner, they could all get out and he'd never know about it. But if he's in the doorway, no one's coming in, no one's going out without him knowing. So if opening the door, I don't know if that means getting out of the way or was there an enclosure of the door. Either way, uh, this person gives the doorkeeper to the true shepherd, lets them to, into the sheep. He opens the way. And the, true shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice, that true shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he doesn't sneak in at night over the fence. He comes in the light of day. He's recognized by the doorkeeper. And he comes in accordance with the law for his flock. And it says the flock know him by name. Now, there were different sizes of flocks. Some would have hundreds of sheep, and that was a whole different story. You'd have a, you'd have a, you'd have a staff. You'd have multiple sub-shepherds with you working because it's... You know, they, they cover a big area. But some people might just have a, a, a couple of sheep. And, and that makes, you know, again, or a few sheep. And if you're putting them into this communal fold, sheep fold, um, you might not have many sheep. A few. Enough to keep your family in business. But what happens is the shepherd would come and he, and, and he would, and, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls the sheep by name and they hear him. Now, if you've got a, a hundred, couple hundred sheep, they wouldn't know them by name. They might have a few favorites they recognize and call, you know, to, tend to kind of hover by them. That's what they would do. But if you have just a couple of them, they recognize them and know them by name. And, they, and they'd give, um, give them endearing titles like uh, Torn Ear. Uh, and so, you know, they would, they would look for, you know, uh, brown tail. You know, they, they look for some distinguishing characteristic, and that's often how they would give them a name. But, but they would call them by name, and that would be effective. Now, I, I've read a, a, a fair amount of, of, of spot, books by and about shepherds, and there, there are many that describe this scene and how, how realistic and true it is. Many have described the scene where a shepherd comes, calls for his flock, and the sheep uh, come out from the flock. So here's the interesting thing that the shepherd approaches, and um, he calls. And so he, imagine, so here's this, this walled-off area that, oh, I don't know, could be as big as this middle section or, or a couple of these sections. I don't know, maybe even as big as the whole, our, our whole uh, hall here. But, and there's a narrow door, and so one shepherd will come at a time, and he'll call the sheep, and his sheep will hear his voice, and they'll start moving out of out from the midst of the others and, and come out. The others stay put because that's not their shepherd calling. That's an amazing thing to see. So it says they, when the shepherd calls by his own sheep by name, he, and he leads them out. And that's another thing to notice about the shepherds of, of the Middle East. 
Uh, it's characteristic. In, for example, uh, places, if you go up to Scotland and that, and I think it's true in, down in Australia, New Zealand as well, shepherds drive the flock. They, you know, they kind of move along and drive them ahead of them. The shepherds of the Middle East lead the flock. You know, they're out in front. Now, now, sometimes they get behind, especially if they're going through a narrow pass or they're making sure everyone gets out. You know, it's like, if, like the school teacher waiting for all the kids to get off the bus. They wait till they're off the bus before they move forward. Well, the shepherd might at the end. And if they're going through a narrow, dark area, that's where the wolves attack is at the back of the flock. So sometimes the shepherd will go there. But normally, as they're going through the open pasture, they'd be out ahead, sometimes calling as they go. And, but that has that idea of being out in front, he's taking them where he knows and where he's been. He's take, he, he goes first in the path to make sure it's safe and secure. But the idea of our, our Savior leading the way for us instead of driving us ahead of himself, he leads by example. He leads in, in putting himself in the place first. So the sheep will follow their shepherd. But verse 5 says, They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So while the, while the shepherds, I mean, the sheep will get all, and in the morning, they get excited to go join their shepherd. Why? It's been 12, 14 hours since their last meal. I've seen this even with our own dog, especially if she didn't get what she was hoping for dinner. And, and so she just kind of sniffs at it and walks away. We know she'll be back. <laughs> but if she goes to bed like that in the morning, she is very eager for food. Well, these sheep, it's been 12, 14 hours or more since they've eaten. And so when he calls, you, you know what that means? Food. What do shepherds do? They feed their sheep. And so they get all excited and they go out to see him. But if it's a false shepherd, they don't move. Or they might even run away. Now, let me just read to you some examples I came across. Now, here's one commentator saying, The incident is well known of the Scottish traveler who, having met under the walls of Jerusalem a shepherd leading home his flock. So here's the picture. This is probably in the late 1800s. A man from Scotland is visiting the Holy Land. And there in the shadow of the walls of the city of Jerusalem, he bumps into a shepherd. And he approaches him. And... Um, and, and, he, and he works out a deal with him. He says, I want, to, I want to try an experiment. He's probably thinking of this text. I want to, I want to see if, if your sheep will come to my call. And, and what he does is he, uh, he says, just to make it more effective, let's swap clothes. So he takes on the shepherd's cloak and he gives his you know, coat to the shepherd. And he goes off and he tries to mimic the call the shepherd was using. Nothing. Uh, the sheep don't come. They don't respond. He's dressed. He looks like the shepherd. He's using the words of the shepherd, but they don't recognize his voice. And then the real shepherd, dressed up like a Scotsman, gets up and calls them, and they start running to him. So in other words, this is a, right there in, the, in, the, in, in Jerusalem, this, this traveler said, John 10 is right. D.L. Moody said this, a friend who was traveling in the east heard that there was a shepherd who still kept the, the custom of calling his sheep by name. 
He went to the man and said, let me put on your clothes, take your crook, and I will call them, see if they will come to me. And so he did. He called one sheep, mina, mina, but the whole flock ran away from him. He said to the shepherd, will none of them follow me when I call them? The shepherd replied, yes, sir, some of them will. The sick will follow anybody. Then Moody said, I'm not going to make the application. I leave that to you. <laughs> but his whole point is healthy sheep only follow their shepherd. A man in Australia was arrested and charged with stealing a sheep. Now, of course, think if, if, if you need to, think of westerns you know, that you watched growing up. Uh, think of a cattle rustler. Well, here's a sheep rustler. But single sheep. He was accused of stealing a sheep. And he kept saying, it's my sheep, it's my sheep, it's my sheep that had been missing for many days. And so it actually went to court. The judge was puzzled, not knowing how to decide the case, and finally came up with an idea. He said, uh, bring in the sheep. And then he ordered the uh, accused to go outside and call the animal. As soon as he heard the voice, he went racing out. Then they, uh, he went to the plaintiff and did the same experiment. You know, the, the policeman that's there in the court. He said, you go out and call the sheep. Nothing. The judge announced, it's the man's sheep. Case dismissed. So, in other words, here's the point. I could give you loads of illustrations. But this is the nature of sheep and the shepherd. They know their shepherd's voice. And they follow him. And they don't recognize, they know that what's not the shepherd's voice and they don't follow that. What our Lord is talking about, again, what's the context? We've just had the situation of these false teachers, false shepherds, who were abusing uh, one of the sheep of Israel, this blind man, harassing him, threatening him, finally expelling him and in in, in, in in separating him from the flock. And what Jesus is saying is, you know, remember they, they closed by saying, well, are you saying we're blind? What Jesus is doing is he's giving us an illustration, an explanation. What makes the difference between the blind man who believes in Jesus and the blind Pharisees who won't? And what he's saying is, the blind man is one of my sheep. And you're not. And he'll, he'll get that point even more clearly in verse 26 when Jesus will say, You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. He's talking here about the concept of election. And he's saying, In this flock, in this, in this sheep fold of Israel, some are my sheep and some are not. Some are the elect of God and some are not. Those who are God's sheep, God's who are God's chosen ones, follow the shepherd. Those who are not, will not. Those who are God's chosen ones will not follow a false teacher. They'll... they'll They'll just recognize that's not my Savior's voice. That's not my Savior's way. That's not true. Uh, this, and that reminded me of what we lean, read in 1 John chapter 2, 
verses 19 to 21. And here in 1 John 2, 19 to 21. They went out from us, speaking of these uh, false believers. He even calls them uh, like Antichrist with a small a. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that none of them were of us. He, to use Jesus' language, he said, they departed from the flock because they were not God's sheep. Verse 20, but, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and know lies of the truth. What he's saying is, what makes the difference between you who are sheep and those who are not? Though you who, st- who are of the face, faith and those who walk away from it. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit has brought you to himself. And so when Jesus is saying, why is it the Pharisees uh, are blind and the blind man can see? Because the blind man is one of Jesus' sheep. He recognized the voice of Jesus. Now, granted, he was a little hard of hearing at first, right? Uh, who is Jesus? Who is he? His name's Jesus. And they said, well, he's a sinner. He said, well, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I know he's the one who healed me. And then later on, he said, he must be a, pro- he must be a prophet. He must be from God. Only, only God can do this. And by the end of it, we see Jesus saying, do you believe in the Son of God? And he said, you tell me who he is, and I'll believe. And Jesus said, it's the one you see and is speaking to you. I love that. To the blind man, he says, you're looking at him. <laughs> and you can see him. And what does he do? He falls before Jesus and worships him as God. Because he's, he's one of Jesus' sheep. The message rings true. I remember when I uh, was in college and several had been talking to me about the gospel and uh, I had been settled in my sense that I didn't even know if God existed and I was complacent about that. It doesn't matter. But all the, God sent one person after another, some strangers and some people I was in the lab classes with and they would talk with me and talk with me about the gospel. It got me to the place I started wondering, I wonder if there's any truth to this. I wonder if there is a God. And then I even remember walking behind the library and saying, well, if God exists, he'd figure out a way of telling me who he exists and who he is. That night, a friend came to my apartment, knocked on the door, and said, I, I want you to come with me. I said, where are we going? I said, I don't know. He was a friend, so I got in the car. And then as we raced down the street, and, and it was racing, <laughs> he then decided he, I wouldn't jump out. And he said, we're going to a Christian meeting. And so I went. And the gospel was presented. And afterwards, my friend apologized because the guy went on and on. Preachers do that sort of thing, you know. And I said, don't worry, John. He was talking to me. See, I was one of God's sheep. And I, and I started recognizing those. Now, it took me a while, like that blind man, to get it straight. But, but all of a sudden, I, wanted, I started reading my Bible. Didn't make any sense to me because I hadn't trusted Christ yet. Didn't have the Holy Spirit. So I started going to my friends and saying... You know, you kept inviting me to Bible studies. I need a Bible study. Well, we don't know anybody. By <laughs> and so that took a while. But finally, um, I went to a Bible study. Finally, uh, I remember coming home with some gospel literature, thinking I, it's so clear to me, but something's not there. 
But as I went through that gospel tract and finally became clear, now I knew what was missing. I'd come to believe that God exists. I came to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died for our sin. But then I realized I need to personally trust in him as Savior. And, it said, and I thought, that's it. But here's the point. I was one of God's sheep. So in that, I was recognizing the voice of my shepherd. And I came to him. And I worshipped him. And I trusted in him as Savior. And if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, your story is very different, but very much the same. In some way, at some time in your life, you recognized the voice of the shepherd. And you followed him. And perhaps you've, and I, and I remember, again, being in college, all kinds of cults would try and reach out to me. And, and I remember, uh, I, I, very quickly I could recognize something. This isn't, this isn't the voice. <laughs> I didn't think it in those terms, but no, something's wrong here. And then as I researched and searched, I found out, ooh, they, they use Jesus' name, but they're not following him. False teachers. And so, so what Jesus is, is, is laying out, okay, you who reject me, there's a reason. You're not my sheep. Uh, this, this blind man who, who sees, he's my sheep. And that's the difference. And he says, my, and so, so, so Jesus is not threatened and, if, and feeling burdened that he's got to convince them. My sheep will hear my voice. My sheep will hear my voice. Well, verse 6 tells us, and again, this comforts me as someone who spends his life preaching. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So if Jesus can teach and that not be understood, um, maybe that explains some of my problem too. But this is that blindness. I read to you Ezekiel 34. I know you, know you hadn't seen it before, but these people knew Ezekiel 34. Many of them easily could have quoted Ezekiel 34 in Hebrew. But they didn't recognize themselves or Jesus' teaching. But remember what we read in verses 40 and 41 of chapter 9. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. You are blind. You say you, you know the truth. But you've, in doing so, you've closed your mind to the truth. Because they're not his sheep. They, they, they asked Jesus about blindness and suspected he was speaking about them. And he goes on to speak. Well, he goes on further now and he directly talks about them. They're the ones who are hopping the fence. They're the thieves and the robbers who instead of serving and, 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 and leading and caring for God's flock, they're attacking God's flock, they're abusing God's flock, they're, they're taking God's flock away from God. So this passage helps us understand what was going on in that blind man. It was God's grace that opened his physical eyes, and it was God's grace that opened the eyes of his heart. To see Jesus. He was one of God's sheep. Chosen before time. And so. With joy. He recognized. The voice. Of his shepherd. That same. Grace of God. That, that caused him to bow before Jesus. Caused him to stiffen his back. Before the Pharisees. He would not bow. He would not bend. He would not deny Christ. 
by the grace of God. So as we look at these six verses of this beloved passage, some things I just want us to notice. It, it, Jesus, the way he describes himself as this, as this shepherd, you see his tender care for his people. He knows us by name, each and every one. And we're precious to him. He knows his sheep personally. We're not just some kind of an anonymous figure in a big crowd. That's one of our problems today. You know, you don't even get a, you know, go by name, you know, what your, your number. We're, we're anonymous in, in, in the system. Jesus knows us personally. And, and those sheep that would come up to the shepherd and, and he called by name, he knew their weaknesses and their strengths. He knew their characteristics and tendencies. He knew where they liked to be scratched. He, he knew what they liked. To, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Our Lord knows us. He calls us by name. Sometimes we kind of feel um, isolated from the Lord, separated from the Lord, disconnected from the Lord. Listen to your shepherd. He's calling you into his presence. The idea of election is something that troubles people. Uh, the idea that God sovereignly chooses those who will believe and, and, and God works that plan out through the effectual call we're talking about in our catechism. But it's a precious truth that we belong to Christ because of his loving choice. That's a precious truth and it's a humbling truth. I stand before you a child of God not because I was smarter or better or more deserving. None of the above. I come to you, I stand before you as a child of God because God in his mercy put his love upon me. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so Jesus is saying, you're not believing because you're not one of my sheep. It's God's grace that opens our eyes to see Christ with saving faith. And again, that humbles us. We, it, wasn't, it, isn't, it, it, is, it is a gift of God. And that also reminds us when we're dealing with people. It's not, can I, if I, I just wasn't persuasive enough. That's why they didn't believe. I wasn't clear enough. I wasn't persuasive enough. I wasn't whatever enough. It's not my job to turn the heart. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of it is, he works on the heart of his people, and he works effectually. Now, I'm a master of working ineffectually. When I have a day off and I have a project to work on, I, I usually start early because I know it's going to be very ineffectual. Got to run and get the parts I need and then go back and get the right parts because I got the wrong parts. Then I go back and have to replace the parts I broke. I'm ineffectual. God is not. When he calls, they come. It's the work of, of God's grace in our heart 
that we hear the voice of our Savior and we come to him. And it's God's grace that keeps us from falling. You know, that's, that's the, the Scottish guy who worked it out with the shepherd there in Jerusalem. His shepherd actually, they tried to, he, he helped deceive the sheep, but they still wouldn't fall for it. He put on the clothes of a shepherd. He called their names, but it didn't sound the same. You see, that's, there's so many false teachers out there. They will name the name of Jesus, but you have to ask them, who is Jesus? But there are false teachers who, who will use the language. And I could name one group after another. You think of Jehovah's Witnesses. You think of the Mormons. You think of the Unification Church. You think of Islam. And they honor Jesus as a prophet. Not quite as exalted a prophet as Muhammad, but a prophet. But just because you speak the name of Jesus and, and use language, they could they be so deceptive. But, and, and, and it's God's grace that gives us the discernment to say, something's wrong here. That's the truth. That's the work of grace. And, and again, that the Lord, and here's a wonderful picture of the Lord going before us and leading us. It's the shepherd's job to lead. It's the sheep's job to keep their eyes on the shepherd and follow him. We get into trouble when we take our eyes off the shepherd. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone to, gone to his own way. We, 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 we start being busy about our own things and we're not looking at the shepherd. Next thing you know, where'd the shepherd go? When my job is to keep my eyes on him, when, we, when he moves, I move. And so also that's a word of trust to us. Maybe I'm not sure where I'm going to go, how I'm going to make some decisions. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. He'll lead you. He'll go before you. Trust him. Follow him. Obey his voice here in the word. And he'll guide you. He'll direct you. And it's a loving call. And when he goes, the shepherd goes out in the morning. He leads them intentionally. He's not just going for a walk. He has pre-selected a pasture that has what they need in nutrients. He has pre-selected a pasture that doesn't have the noxious weeds that will make them sick. He has pre-selected a path that will bring them to a source of water. It might be a brook, it might be a cistern or well with water in it, but he knows where he's going. We can trust him. Now I imagine those sheep might be in the back of their flock kind of grumbling to each other. There are a lot of rocks on this path. I'm not seeing much grass. Do you think he really knows where he's going? I'm getting thirsty. The shepherd, well, back then there might be wrong, but our shepherd never is. The path to those green pastures and still waters may be uphill, may be rocky, may be challenging. And we may wonder, why is he taking me through this dark valley? But my shepherd knows the way. And he promises he'll be with me all the way. And so Jesus is holding himself up this, 
this, this, this reject from Galilee that the Pharisees despise. And he says, but I'm the good shepherd. I love the flock. They're mine. And I'll take care of them. And later on, he'll tell us, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But in these, this chapter 10 of John, our Lord shows himself to us. It's, it's remarkable to me when you read in the book of Revelation that the shepherd team comes up again. When John sees the, the martyred souls there who have died during the tribulation period, and he says, who are these? And we're told, these are the ones whom the shepherd cares for. And the picture is that our Lord Jesus Christ, even in the glory, is our shepherd, calling us by name, guiding us where he would have us to go. Have you heard the voice of the shepherd? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have not, then you could talk to him and say, Lord, I want to be your sheep. I want to hear your voice. For those of us who know Christ as Savior, recognize it is his sovereign grace. It humbles us. It makes us prayerful for those who have yet to believe. But he tells us, he calls himself a shepherd. Because that speaks of his humble, gentle, loving care. May we learn to trust him. Father, thank you for sending our Lord Jesus Christ to be the shepherd of your sheep. Father, thank you for giving us to him. And Father, as we uh, continue on in our studies of John, may we get to know our shepherd better and love and trust him. For any, Father, who's heard this message today, may they trust in Jesus. May they run to him for his salvation. I pray it in Jesus' name.